This is the Black Hole Podcast with host Ryan Millsap. With a vision of how real estate could turn into movies and how movies could turn into money, Millsap set out to build the state's largest film complex. After checking that box, Millsap returned to his entrepreneurial roots, where real estate ventures, entertainment opportunities, nonprofit support, and golf course business deals rule the day. What's next for Ryan Millsap? Listen up, and you'll find out. All right. Uh, welcome back to the Black Hole Podcast. This is uh, podcast number two with my very dear friend, Avi Adut. Avi, welcome back. Thank you. Good to be here. Um, let's talk about some of the interesting things that you've experienced in the last year around, I mean, not just like, I'm not going to call it anti-Semitism because Semitism really is like all of the Middle East. I'm going to talk about it more like just anti-Jewish behavior that you've experienced. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, tell me, number one, tell me a little bit about that. And then I'm going to, you know, I mean, ask I think, questions right I, think uh, I think first, I think like you've experienced it probably talking to me or like um, even uh, like when the, when the Kanye West thing happened like about a year ago, I, I I'm not very like, ultra sensitive to the idea of um criticism you're not you're a, hu- you're a huge kanye fan yeah as a soul you like yeah. his soul yeah 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 mm-hmm. um and you're not afraid for of him criticizing i wasn't when it was happening i i know that he he should have maybe been like smarter with this <laughs> i think we could all agree he could have uh communicate communicated it uh probably i think he agrees yeah i think <laughs> i think he would agree yeah it sounds like it took him about a year of reflection to be like all right i could have done that a lot better yeah so so i i i mean i just or even even growing up in like a persian jewish community in particular like i've just um the idea of like criticism within my own community was uh not it's not something that i thought was like bad to have conversations around Right. Like if, if I, I, cause like, uh, you know, like Persian Jews growing up, I don't know how I, th- I feel like this has changed more recently, but when I was, when I was younger, like 10, 15, 20 years ago, um, you could feel the way that, uh, non-Persian Jews in Beverly Hills felt about Persian Jews in Beverly Hills. Right. Like there's kind of just like this, uh, uh you know, <laughs> like, and, and, and I was a young person and I would watch that and, uh, it, and my reaction was more like, I mean, all right, well, I could, I could see some things that we're doing collectively as a community where it could be, um, maybe a frustrating experience for other people around. Right. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up with Persian Jews and I, and, and when I moved to LA, then, you know, I was doing business and occasionally we'd run across Persian Jewish business guys, but there were always jokes by non Persian Jewish business guys about the Persian Jewish business guys, because they'd be like, Oh, you have an LOI. And he signed it. Oh, good. That's the beginning of the negotiation. (laughs) And then I told you that uh, uh, we had a guy who worked at our company in Beverly Hills who was a Persian Jew. And he used to joke. His name was Ben Porabani. Fantastic. Fantastic. But Ben one time said, Oh, let me go to the, do the negotiation with blah, blah, blah. Like we, we had some negotiation. He goes, because I'm a Persian Jew. I negotiate with myself. <laughs> so, <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> anyway, there were, there, there was definitely like in LA, there were stereotypes around yes. what it was like to, for a non 
Persian Jew to do business with a Persian Jew. Yeah, what, exactly. what that might experience might be like. Right. And so I, I guess to say my point is at least my philosophy and I don't get to speak for a whole uh, religion or a whole group of people. Right. But at, at least for me personally, philosophically, criticisms of what my community might be doing that uh, might be making us less likable. That's not um, a conversation I'd want to shut down. It's more of something I'd want to. Oh, all right. Well, is there anything? Is there anything worth working on? I mean, white people are having to do this, right? Like, like our whole our whole country. Like, uh, <laughs> all, all, uh, the, the, uh, all, uh, it feels like in education, everything is. It's all about white people need to be thinking about all all of the wrongs of their ancestors of the past, right? Or or whatever might be going. They white people are being forced and confronted with what they might need to. Um, work on as a as a group i mean as, that's a pretty big group <laughs> wait wait wait, wait. Per- persians aren't white no, <laughs> what you mean is white anglo-saxon protestants i'm just saying white, any- white anglo-saxon catholics yeah right right uh, just uh catholics white, white italian catholics white yeah uh, you know whatever it, it, all these groups of people that are now being heavily criticized about uh, cultural decisions. Right. And so mm-hmm. that's not, I don't think the critique itself is bad. And I think, a, I don't think, I think if there's critiques that could be spoken out loud, right. Um, it, it just wasn't, it, I, it wasn't something that I viewed negatively necessarily. I was something, yeah, cause it was, it, if it's done in the context of conversation, humans trying to make each other better. Yeah. But, but with a lot of candor, right. Then that's the only way we all get better. Right. right. Is that if we can, if we have the kind of friendships where we can be candid with each other, that's how I viewed it. Right. And so, and I, and I guess at some point and in our best selves, that is true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but in I, our worst selves. Yeah. Then that it gets abused. Right uh, in our worst selves. With, with are you talking about internal dialogue within yourself, or no, no, uh, no, no. I'm talking about external dialogue. So, um, so, so humans in their worst selves, yes, uh, take weakness or even like vulnerability. So, let's say that you yeah. admit to something that you could get better at. Yeah, right. But then somebody Does instead someone abuse me for abuse it, you for, for it. admitting it. Right? Yeah, then uh, that doesn't lead to any intimacy. Exactly. Right. Yeah. In right. fact, it leads to the opposite. And, and then, yeah, right. To that point, when you, when you understand that you're dealing with someone that wants to abuse you for it, then like, then that, that communication needs to shut down at that point. Correct. Like, that's not like, uh, if there's like, like, like uh, to jump ahead to like right now, if there's someone that's just being like totally like anti, uh, Zionist, right. Which is like a big, like, boogeyman word right now but at the end of the day you'd be talking about what like 90 percent of jews when you use the word zionist um and you'd be talking about a a huge percentage of the western world right if you're anti-zionist in the sense that um the the majority of the western world believes that uh jews should have a homeland yeah i think that's it feel i mean on social media it feels like that's shifting but i don't know how much i don't know how accurate that is you know I think, yeah, I think it's hard to tell. Social media can be so uh, specific in its participants yeah, that it's hard to know, you know, the breadth. I think as you, you know, there, there's a huge amount of people that are over an age of using social media very much who would, at least in America, would all have never questioned uh, Israel's existence. Yeah. Well, and, and I guess, I guess so. So I was trying to preface it as like, uh, 
I'm okay with criticism. And I, but I think like, uh, between the combination of just being aware of history of not just the Holocaust, Mm -hmm. uh, what my parents went through in Iran. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, or, and then like, you do see, like, I I think there was like a, I don't know how many years ago, I think it was in Pennsylvania. There was the, the tree of life, like the synagogue getting shot up. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm Um, I think, uh, as a Jew, being aware of the reality that for whatever reason, persecution around the world, uh, to a degree just feels like inevitable. And so, so to me, like, okay, that's one thing to talk about, um, uh, being open to criticism, but, uh, to me, like fun, fundamental for our safety and survival is the idea of Israel as a place to seek refuge when Jews around the world might need it. Hmm. And boy, have we needed it a lot. Why didn't your parent, do you know, do you know anything about why? Because Israel was obviously in existence in the seventies and your parents are fleeing Iran. Do you know, did they ever even consider the a great question? I asked my dad, my mom did, did flee to Israel first. My mom lived in Israel. So oh, wow. my mom, my mom has younger sisters that, um, so my mom lived in Israel. So she speaks Hebrew and then her, her, and she was, she was just at the right age, like right in between her older sisters and her younger sisters where like she had met my dad in Iran before moving. And then like whatever the story is, but, but she ended up marrying like an Iranian man, but all of her sisters younger than her ended up, um, marrying Israelis. Hmm. And then even when they moved here, like I have, I have sets of cousins and aunts, like where their family only speaks Hebrew. They don't speak Farsi. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. So they, they, they live kind of pretty much in Israeli. I have first cousins that live like an Israeli existence like in, in their minds. They're Israeli. They don't, right. They don't really identify as Persian. Hmm. Um, hmm. So, um, yeah, so I mean, so they still utilize Israel, but I don't, I don't, it would be a good question to ask my dad of why he chose America. Ultimately, I wonder what kind of like vision he had of America where he's like, uh, <laughs> about Israel. <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, if I'm, if I, if I'm a guy like your dad, who's very intuitive, yeah, I think to myself, do I want to be surrounded by enemies or do I want to go live in a vast country where it seems like you can make whatever life you want? Right. And in America has been an incredible place for all ethnicities to make whatever they life they want. And it's been particularly good to the, uh, to the Jews as a culture yeah, and as a people group, you know, I mean, think about, I don't think there's anywhere in the history of, of Judaism outside of Israel, right back. You'd have to go back to like the time of Solomon Mm -hmm. to find a time when, uh, the Jews were thriving more than they have in the last 200 years in America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in, in the 1970s, if I'm a Jewish man who's fleeing Iran, I can go to a country that's small, emerging, surrounded, surrounded, surrounded by, by enemies, by enemies. <laughs> right? And, and fighting for its survival. Now, yeah. he may want them to survive and he may want their existence to be real. Yeah. But if he's making a choice for his family, like Beverly Hills looks pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so, and so, 
I, I bet that's you would hear something like that. It'll be fun for you to go back and ask him this question. But, you know, he's just such an intuitive person. I would think that the answer would be something. Along <laughs> yeah. <those lines>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, you know, he is, he is not a short sighted person. No, no. <laughs> no. He has a lot of vision, a lot of vision. OK, so um, but but this has maybe been the first year of your life where you've encountered a level of animosity. Yeah. Would you say that's true? Um, I would say, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, yeah. That's, that's probably true. Ha, but you've, and you've dealt with that a little bit on social media. Like you, you, have, you, <laughs> have, you haven't ran, ran from this. Um, no, I, I mean, I posted uh, a couple, I mean, when, uh, October 7th happened, I posted, uh, well, uh, I had, I had some, people DM me and say, Hey, why haven't you like posted about Israel <laughs> on social media? And the idea that they, that people could get that could feel that I wasn't deeply hurt and concerned about October 7th because I didn't post about it on social media. And it was like business as usual. Like once I got the sense that people were getting that idea, then I, then I, you know, because to me in my head at the time, like what is there to post? Like who, who would be for 10, seven for October yeah. 7th? Yeah. Like why, why would I even need a, what is there for me to post? But, um, and, 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 and I think the, the, the anxiety and the despair of post October 7th was very real for me. And I, and I think most Jews around the world, because we thought Israel was safe for one, Right. So then to then all, all of a sudden see it. So, so, so one, you, you realize, okay, it's a little bit more fragile than we thought. Uh, two, you get to see what people that hate Jews, like what they're willing to do to us when they have the chance to, mm-hmm. you know, like, I mean, and which is scary, mm-hmm. which is the like the people that they targeted. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I, and I know that there's things happening in Palestine right now. I believe is like, I know, I guess this, this maybe seems to be a debate, but I believe it's like, it's collateral damage of war. Mm -hmm. But, but, and so maybe we'll put that aside if someone wants to have a debate about that, but, but uh, we wouldn't really get to the bottom of it. If someone wants to say, Oh, uh, Israel's doing that on purpose. It's like, okay, I don't know. But what we do know for sure is that Hamas went in, on the ground mm-hmm. and was face to face with children, mm-hmm. with mothers, with grandparents. And we know what they were doing to them. Mm-hmm. Right. And how they treated Jews. Mm-hmm. And then, so, so then all of a sudden that's visceral. You're like, Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like I, I, I felt safe as a Jew. I thought, I thought, I thought the idea of like Jews being in harm's way. Like I, I got to grow up with the privilege of thinking that it's a, it's just like a the thing of the past or it's something like, uh, overstated, like, Oh, I'm, I'm fine. What do you think? I mean, I'm, I mean, like growing up in LA, I mm-hmm. didn't feel like any like concern as a Jew. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but you're seeing what people actually will do to Jews if they get a chance, right? right? At least this set of people, this set of people. Okay. And then, and then right after when, when you have like American progressives that will get up in arms mm-hmm. about anything, or they're ready to go march for anything. And then you're just seeing like silence from them. Hmm. And then, and then not, and you're not only just seeing silence from them. Then you're seeing before like Israel even has a chance to properly respond. You're seeing marches around the world for pro Palestine after a terrorist attack. And so then you get us, then all of a sudden, like the, the feeling of like uh, the, the, 
as a Jew of like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. this is how, this is how people feel about us. Mm. So I think that's been a really, I mean, it was dark. It was heavy. It was really heavy for a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was like a pin in my stomach and I know it wasn't just me, like just talking to any other Jews, like at least for like a month or two, I think, I think like more recently, like, okay, like we're now, you know, a little over two months removed from the incident. And, but, but I mean, we're fucking scared. Mm -hmm. We didn't know what could happen next. Like, okay, this just happened in Israel. What, where, where else could this happen? Yeah. Who's funding this? What's the, is there, is there a broader plan? Does anyone care to fucking protect us? Mm -hmm. Or are we like, are we on our own? And then the idea, and then, and then, and then you get hit with the real, like, no, you can't fucking depend on anyone else to protect you. Mm -hmm. And like, this is something you brought up. It's like, as Jews, why aren't we like, like pro gun, pro gun or, or, learning to show like, why isn't that a part of our daily lives or like, or, right, or like, why is it like, like I have so many Jewish friends who grew up, never saw a gun, never touched a gun, never trained on a gun. Like they're, they're, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you want to, you want to rely on other people to, to defend you. Uh-huh. No, I mean like, and that's not a critique of other people at the end of the day. Like it's, it's on us, you know, it's on us. I don't like, we can't, we can't rely on other people to like process what's happening the correct way. Jump in your defense. Right. Um, There's a phrase that like I've heard the special forces guys in the U S use this phrase. Um, no one is coming. Right. No one is coming. What, Meaning, what do they mean by that? I mean, you, you better be ready to take yeah. care of yourself. Yeah. No one's coming to save you. Right? They, 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 they know they, that when they go out for a mission. You yeah. Mean? I mean, they just, just in general, like they, they live by this creed. No one is coming to save you. Like we had to save ourselves. Right. We had to prepare to save ourselves. Yeah. We go into battle. Like, if you're a Navy SEAL, no one is cut. Co- you are the ones coming. Yeah. That's it. You're it. Like there's nobody behind you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. So, so <laughs> you can't call 911. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. You're, 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 like you, yeah, what, what happens, crazy. what happens is your, your fate is in your own hands, in your training, in your, uh, in your, uh, stamina, in your strength, in your ability to fight, in your will. Right. Right. Your will to survive. Right. That's what they mean by no one is coming. Like you have to go in. You, you don't have a safety net. Yeah. You're walking this tightrope. Right. Without a safety net. Right. And, um, and, and that was really like the whole notion of Americans, America's forefathers and the Second Amendment. Was no one is coming. No one, no one cares about America except for us. Right. right? And so we who care about America have to be prepared to protect America. Yeah. I mean, we can't, when I, when I was watching the videos of what was happening in Israel Mm -hmm. the day of, of, Mm -hmm. of uh, on October 7th. Yeah. uh, Like you would see like a truck full of terrorists and all black with machine guns driving into a residential area, a, a stack of apartments and someone's videotaping it from an apartment. I'm like, why the fuck are they not getting shot? How are they safely driving through the streets without of, of an apartment stack without people shooting at them, just citizens? And then I and then I found out later that Israelis aren't armed. If you're not in the military, you're pretty much not allowed without uh, there's exceptions, but you're not allowed to have a gun. Shocking. And if the civilians had guns. 10-7 would not have been able to be carried out the way that it was. Well, they still would have been able to carry out a lot of things because if you go and and um, raid a music festival, right, right, yeah, like there are some places, some places, yeah, right, yeah, but like, but, but, but like you're not going to let people just carry. But their it would guns still be a, a it would still be like a fraction of of. Uh, it may some, have been. I mean, yeah. the thing is, is that it was it was so uh, covert, um, sudden, 
and cold blooded on, on a lot of uh, people that uh, were weak. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of perpetration on children and women for sure. But, but if they knew that the whole, if the whole population was armed, it would change even the equation. Absolutely. It would change the equation of of the, well, listen, I mean, that's why uh, any military strategist who was trying to figure out how to invade America, it all just breaks down because just, I, I read it was somewhere maybe like five years ago that just the hunters that are registered hunters in the state of Wisconsin represent the sixth largest standing army in the world. <laughs> That's so sick. Right? Yeah. So if you're coming for America, you're, you're coming through 150 million uh, armed people. Yeah. Right. That, that have, that, that, that have, I think I last, I read it was 380 million guns that were in the hands of uh, individual citizens in the United States. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's a huge deterrent yeah. for a land war. Right. Right. Um, you look at what happened in Ukraine, the Russians invade Ukraine and they're scrambling for weapons because they had the same, they had the same issue. They had to, they had to actually change the laws. They had to, they had to call a legislative session to make gun ownership legal. Yeah. Like having a gun, like in your hands, Yeah, you know, have yeah. to make that legal at a time when they're being invaded, you know? So, yeah. but so all of that, so what have you seen? Have you seen a change? Like what's going on inside of the communities the Jewish community that you're a part of relative to um, how are your more liberal Jewish friends responding to uh, so much yeah. liberal pro Palestinianism yeah. and how are you hearing conversations around guns changing in a community that historically like was anti the, the, gun the, the gun conversation hasn't changed. Like I was in a group chat where like one of my first reactions was like, what the fuck? Like why, why aren't the citizens armed? And that wasn't something that, uh, even, even I had some conservative friends in the chat that like, didn't, didn't their takeaway wasn't the same hmm. as mine hmm. about, um, and then, um, I think, uh, with liberals, I, I think, uh, I think most of the Jewish liberals I know aren't like so far gone Marxist where like there there's, cause there's some Jews out there on social media where they're like their Marxism comes before <laughs> their Judaism. Judaism. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, they're choosing the side of, uh, who they believe is the oppressed in the situation. Um, which is like an interesting conversation. Like, how do you, how do you decide who's oppressed? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> right. I don't, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. like yeah. Which, they, which people group is oppressed? The, yeah. The people group that endured the Holocaust and was driven out of Iran and, and many other places where, where there, where there's like rockets where, where the other side is shooting rockets every day. But, but just because we have the technology to not allow those rockets to come through. Yeah. So now we're the oppressor. Yeah. Right. Like, what? Because you're superior. Our, our, our ability to 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 <laughs> to, to defend. defend ourselves makes us not an oppressed class. Yeah. Have you been paying attention to what what's going on in Israel around guns? Is that changing? I think I think I think some things have changed. I don't. Well, I I don't remember the specifics, but even that, it just it felt like there was some barriers that I just I don't understand. I, I would if I was Israel just fucking remove, basically remove the barriers. Yeah. Right. To gun registration. Yeah. But, but they, I think, I think they, 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 um, they grew the, the groups of people where there are exceptions for them to have guns. Yeah. Right. 
All right. I want to shift the conversation just a little bit. So I want to stay on this topic though of, um, of Jewish culture and Jewish oh. society. <laughs> and I, and, and I want to talk about, uh, um, you marrying a shiksa. <laughs> now she's not really, a, she's, no. she's not a shiksa anymore. She's, she's converted. She converted to Judaism uh-huh. years ago. Yeah. But yet I was surprised to learn <laughs> that oftentimes in the localized Persian Jewish community, that is Beverly Hills, let's say yeah, that that can be seen as you're still not marrying a Jew. <laughs> yeah. Is that real? Yeah, it's real. <laughs> That's real. I was shocked to learn this. Yeah. Uh, I what don't, do you attribute that to? Like, explain it, describe it a little bit to, because again, there's lots of people who listen to this podcast who aren't I Jewish, think, I think, who don't know anything guess, about Persian I, Persians, and definitely don't know a lot about Persian Jews. I, I, I would is I wonder if a part of it is like okay, they were they were forced to leave Iran for their safety, mm-hmm. and is it a way for them to like continue to preserve culture? You know, mm-hmm. like like a little. It's just like a little mini like Iranian community. You know, I think, I think that might, that might be a part of it. You know, you think it's, you think it's more Persian ethnic than Jewish. Yeah. Like what about, what about if you marry non Persian Jew, but it's Jesus, but it's a Jew. Like, so it's another, another Jew, but not Persian. How's that received? Even that does is not uh, ideal. Not ideal. I think, I think it's not ideal inside of that kind of community. I think, I think they would take, um, a Jewish non-Persian before a Persian non-Jew, but, it, but <laughs> that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. So Judaism would come before Persian. I wonder if this is going to breed more Jew. It's like, if it comes off as like Jewish supremacy, which is, a- <laughs> Well, I don't think this, I don't think it's unique. I think that you'd find that to be true in the Greek community, right? The Greek community in the United States would encourage their kids to marry other Greeks. I think you'd find that in the Italian community, they'd encourage their kids to marry other Italians. I think some of it's just cultural, like they, you know, families like uh, to bring in people into their family who already have like kind of cultural awareness. Yeah. Right. And so they don't want to see their cultures these, dissipated. At the end of the day, these are all like conservative ideals. So I think, I think conservatives in general would bat less of an eye at any of this because they, they would just understand, they would understand like conserving. Right. No, like, I get it. I like, but, I, I, I don't have I think, any, I don't have any problem at all with communities trying to curate their community. Yeah. I, th- I don't, I don't either, but I think, I think, um, I think, I think maybe like some people more like more leftists, like don't know how to process it in a non negative way without, without viewing it as like a form of, um, hate or superiority. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, is it, is it some sort of a superiority to want to preserve your culture? Yeah. I think that's hard to argue that that's, I mean, this is kind of like when, um, when Elon Musk talks about AI and how he was talking about the conversation that he had with um, one of the founders of Google. I can't remember which one. I think it was um, Sergey Brent. Was it Sergey? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, was yeah. it the other one? I think it was the other, not Sergey, but the the other guy who I can't think of his name right now. But um, and he and they, they were having a conversation about AI, and um, and the guy says to Elon, um, "Well, you're a speciesist." Meaning like you, oh, care, yeah, yeah, right, you care more yeah, about human, yeah. the human species uh-huh. than other species. And Elon was like, yeah, I, yeah. Think I, I am a species. Yeah. 
<laughs> right. And so that doesn't see, there's nothing negative about wanting humanity to survive. Yeah. Just like there's nothing negative about wanting a culture that culture you love survive. to survive. Yeah, right. Life. That's totally, uh, that's totally natural and human. But it, it's interesting. They almost like, um, they're very like picky. They're, they're, they're choosy about when that's okay. I think, I think, I think, I think they would view it because they're sensitive to like cultural appropriation. Right. So they like, they value culture for some people and the idea of preserving culture for some people. There's just like double standards, (laughs) you know, I think, I think, well, the cultures they don't like, they want to see dissipated. Maybe that's what it is. Right. And so then they they gaslight, they gaslight those cultures and basically say, um, your culture's bad. They, I mean, again, we're back to like what they're, what they've done to white culture Yeah, is they have said, basically your culture's terrible. It's oppressive and yeah. it should be torn down. And that's, and they would also try to say there is no culture. They think, they think, they think like whiteness doesn't have, like they just like view it as this, like, is that real? I thought they just I, looked, looked I at it as a very oppressive culture, like a elitist oppressive culture. And so it should be torn down. Yeah. Right. right? Whereas, um, you know, I was reading this actually uh, amazing quote from J.R.R. Tolkien, um, mm. and he talked about how angry he was because he's a you know he, he was a professor of of medieval literature, but specifically like Nordic and Germanic medieval literature, and he loved the Germanic spirit and he loved the Nordic spirit, and he was so angry about World War II because he was saying this is abusive of the German mm-hmm. and Nordic spirit. And it's going to leave a, a lasting stain mm-hmm. to where people won't uh, go as deep and take all the benefit, all the all the good things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They they will throw out all the good things of this culture because of this horrendous thing. And I blame. And I think he, he was bl- right. And he blamed Hitler. And, and I he think he was right. He was because right I, no, because was I right. think I think that's carried over. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's. But but that's but he was feeling that sadness yeah. in the immediate aftermath that because Hitler he was, was a, fucking up for everyone. <laughs> exactly right. He was he was fucking up a lot of the uh, the ability to uh, to acknowledge the good mm-hmm. in those cultures because this had gone so badly. Right, and he was angry about that yeah. because he loved the good from those cultures. So yeah, much. Um, and and so that's the same thing that's happening really in many ways with uh, the talk around like white culture is that they're saying. We're going to ignore all the good, but we want to destroy it because of the bad. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that. Has I mean, to what, a, what a mistake to do that to anything. It's like, like if, if you're going to write like just anything, even if you remove it from like a conversation about race to, to uh, such, just such a bad perspective to not take an, a full accounting right. of the, all the good and the bad together. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And, and, and not to put things in context. And the hard part is, is that truly cultures are at war, right? There are, there are many places where cultures have such differences Mm -hmm. that they both can't coexist Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because of their notions of what reality is Mm -hmm. or, or how a society should be structured. And they're so at odds that they either need to live and let live and just, and they could be neighbors and live and let live. Or if culturally that's unacceptable, live and let live, then there's just, they go to war. And we've seen that through all of human history. Yeah. Um, and we're experiencing that really like, uh, I, I think that what's happening in Israel, Palestine is just a microcosm of a culture war of a thousand year culture war. Yeah. Um, but 
Yeah, I, I and do, maybe a two, maybe longer, but for sure a thousand years. So, so I, I don't believe, uh, like, just to bring it back to the Israel Palestine, because I want, I mm-hmm. want to get your thoughts on something. So, mm-hmm. I don't believe that most people are taking their position because they know or th- or they think that they hate Jews. So, except for like. Uh, like to the like whatever whatever white supremacists might be out there, maybe maybe they don't like Jews, but I don't, you know. But um, well, you could see why the Islamists might pick a certain side on this. But for everyone else, what what do you think is behind um the pro Palestine position? Well, I think there's two aspects. One is that um, Islam and Judaism are are in a culture war period. Like unless they can just agree to disagree and agree to live um, separate lives that are protected, both protected, but separate. And they just refuse to go to war. Mm-hmm. They, they just say, there's no, there's no, we can't, we can't have, have this. We can't have connectedness. We can't have integration. Mm-hmm. Our societies are too different. Our ideas are too different, but let's not go to war. Are they that different? What, 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 what is the difference? Like why, why do you think that they can't? Um, why, why do you think Jews get driven out of, um, Arab countries? Well, Islam at its fundamental core is a religion of, um, submission. And unless you're willing to submit to Islamic ideas, then, um, culturally they believe that they should force you to submit. Okay. And that's not, and, and, and that's contrary to what the Jewish culture historically is unwilling to submit to anything that isn't is in Jewish culture. Yeah. And, and to their benefit, I mean, they've survived thousands of years of, of various forms of oppression, slavery, um, and, and hate. Yeah. And, and they've been willing to die rather than give up their culture. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a, that's a very difficult thing when you have the stubbornness in the beautiful way, the stubbornness of the Jewish culture and its commitment to its own culture. Mm-hmm. And then a culture that ask, asks you to submit mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. really. Uh, yeah. and, right. And then, so then you have the same problem with the whole Western world and Islam, because again, is, Islam is a, um, a religion, a philosophy of submission uh-huh. that then comes to a Western world that really is a philosophy of liberation right, and individual freedom. And most Westerners value their individual freedom on a level that they might rather die than submit. Yeah. And so that's a culture. That's a real hard cultural battle. Right. So at the, at the core you have philosophical problems, but then you layer in, in the last really hundred years of academia, the slow and steady infiltration of Marxist ideology around what you've talked about, oppressor and oppressed. And at this moment in time, uh, certainly people that are very concerned about the oppressed and very anti whoever they deem to be the oppressor Mm -hmm. at this moment in time, those people that are focused on those ideas embrace Palestine as the oppressed. And so that's, that's where, again, you have like a major philosophical distinction between they th- th- those the people that are uh, radically pro Palestine mm-hmm. are also often radically anti um, American liberalism 
liberalism in the sense of American freedom, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? They, they don't like to see um, the melting pot that America is intended to be if we protect everyone's freedom to live however they want. They would think that they're for more more freedom. What, so what, what do you what, what do you think that breakdown in um the the what do you think the breakdown is of what they think they stand for and what they end up standing for? Well, they certainly aren't for more freedom in the sense of allowing for differences of opinion. Yeah. Right. Because if if there there are there are core issues that you're not allowed to have differences on inside of that world of communicate in, in that world of that in that community, there are certain things you're just not allowed to believe. Yeah. Whereas like in a purely. But by, by painting those ideas as oppressive. Correct. Like you're just like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can't even talk about that. Or how could you even believe that? Or how could you even have that idea? Like that's so oppressive. Right. Right. So there's a lot of things that they would use to gaslight. And just basically say, no, that's, that's off the table. Yeah. That's not even one of the options you can have with your freedom. Yeah. But by limiting the options you can have with your freedom, you take away freedom. Yeah. Right. So historically in America, the goal was to provide enough flexibility around freedom for people to be able to choose whatever adventure they want. Right. Now, in order to live in a society like that, you have to have a high level of tolerance for otherness you're right of ideas though they they they, they, they don't otherness of living they think think the otherness of ideas isn't a isn't a part of the otherness they they want to they want to like protect uh every other type of otherness besides ideas yeah well they but they also want to protect um every culture except for the cultures they don't like yeah right and 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 americanness is a in its in its purest form is a commitment to protecting your your will your ability to live in a culture inside of America that I might not even like. Yeah. But if I'm an American, I want to protect your ability to do that. Right. Just like if you're an American, you want to protect my ability to live in a way that's totally against the way that you naturally would live. But you but we both value the freedom to live the way we do. And on a level politically that we're willing to fight and protect each other's ability to live within that flexibility. Yeah. Now where it breaks down is if, and this is like the, the cultural war that's happening where it's breaking down is when you have people that say, well, um, these kinds of use of freedom, unacceptable. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, now you, you, you cease to be American in your, in your, in your philosophy, mm-hmm. right? Because the American ideal is you can live whatever life you want, as long as it doesn't affect my ability to live whatever life I want. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you step over that line and you start telling me how to live, telling me how to think, telling me, uh, giving me boundaries around all these different like things that shouldn't matter to you about how I live my life down the street, then you've, then you've left Americanness. And you've taken on something else. And so the cultural war right now is about how far into your life does the government reach? Yeah. Right. 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 And, 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 and the difficulty is, is that somehow that conversation has gotten enough traction that something that should just fundamentally be not one of the conversations happening in America. Cause the conversation in America should always be about how do we protect everyone's freedom? Mm-hmm. And it's shifted to something that is not that. And that's why it's, that's why it's a culture war because yeah. because you have the people that are saying, well, no Americanness protects freedom. And then over here you say, you have people saying, well, these are certain uses of freedom that are unacceptable. Can you think of some, for example, 
Um, I mean, obviously COVID there was a lot of, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean like, you know, like how far can the government reach into your life and tell you that you have to do X, Y, Z health wise. Yeah. Real Americanness would say, if you want to go live in the woods and never take a vaccine, never make any money and just live on your own and eat uh, the mushrooms that you find in the forest, more power to you. Mm-hmm. Like that's a very American notion. But but our forefathers probably would be very against a lot of the ways that we're taxed because it takes away that person's freedom to say, I'm just going to move to the woods. I'm going to own a piece of land. I don't want to work for anybody. I'm going to self-sustain and I'm going to die in the woods. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think, I think something that goes into like why freedom is so important or why it became such an ideal is almost an, a humble approach to knowing that we're all here on earth and we don't really, we don't really know what's right or wrong. So let me take my best stab at it. You take your best stab at it. And, 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 and there's, there's a, there's a humility to it. There's a humility to, all right, I'm going to live my life the way I want, but I don't ultimately know if I'm right. So I'm not going to impose that on you. Right. And, and I think, and I think a lot of, um, but that requires a lot of intellectual humility, a lot of spiritual humility. Yes. To be in that space where you actually embrace how little, you know, yeah. Which almost, yeah. And I think believing in, in uh, there's some connection between like believing in God and then believing like the vastness of what we don't know where almost Absolutely. if you, when you don't believe in God, it, it sometimes breaks down to what are the things we do know. And then that's when you get into like, well, like trust the scientists take the six vaccines, right? Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so, so like you, mm-hmm. you, you go away from the idea of like searching for truth and the humility of searching for it and knowing that it's the truth is never so simple or, um, easily defined. And, and, and then instead you get this culture that's one away from God and has gone towards um, ideas of certainty that we can't really have. Right. So, you know, I've talked a lot about uh, philosophy and religion over the years. Um, We've done some very esoteric podcasts on the Carla podcast about, you know, ideas that most people don't have a lot of interest in or, you know, Mm -hmm. around like eternity, heaven, all these kind of things. But, but one of the things I think uh, that we've talked about that is, um, that is worth talking about here that people might find interesting is this thing that, that we talk about where I, I have a philosophy or a theory. It's not even a theory. It's actually just a truth, which is that all of Christianity is a Jewish sect mm-hmm. and trying to understand why Judaism doesn't talk more about that mm-hmm. and why the Jews don't, embrace more historical um, study around Jesus and these 12 other Jews, <laughs> right? <laughs> Who created a sect that has like 2 billion adherents. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think there's 15 million Jews in the entire world, but then there's 2 billion people that are part of a, tiny yeah. Jewish sect yeah. called Christianity. <laughs> yeah. And we love, we love 
like talking about like Jews that succeed in different areas, like like uh, Sandy Koufax, <laughs> <laughs> Albert Einstein. But, uh, Jesus was a pretty successful Jew. <laughs> I mean, like arguably, he was one of the most successful Jews ever. But yet, the Jews don't talk about him. <laughs> As a Jew, just as a Jew, yeah. like you don't even have to agree with his philosophy. I mean, it's, clearly he's there a, were, he's an interesting Jew at a minimum, at a minimum, <laughs> right? Like when you're, when you're making your Mount Rushmore of Jews, how is Jesus not on there? He, he's not like, so I've only like learned more about, uh, Jesus, like through you. And then I gain a lot more interest in him and uh, a, a love for him, honestly, really. But, um, I would, uh, uh, but I could, I could tell what I could tell you. I don't, I don't know the answer to your question, but I could tell you a little bit about like what the idea of Jesus felt like to me is, is when tell I was me younger. This, this is what I want to hear. Yeah. I love um, this I, there, there's just this, like, it, it, it's not so rational. It's a lot, it's a lot of feelings. And so you, you get, you, 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 you associate like a Judaism with like your family and like just these like tight knit, like cozy things that are familiar Right. And then, um, and then there's, there's things that are kind of like, no, like no touch zones that, that almost like if you, that, that are, would just like make you like not Jewish. Right. And so, and like, so like something like, like, like so pork, Jesus, Jesus like pork, could make you not pork Jewish. Pork could be like a big, like pork was like a big boogeyman. Pork could make you not Jewish. Right. Like the idea of eating pork would be like a very, you know, it's a big deal. Like people freak, like some people like really freak out like that. Like even if they accidentally eat it, it's like a, like a freak out moment. You know, you, you, you don't want to do things that like remove you from your Judaism. And I think like, you know, hmm. a, a, a cross could be a symbol that feels similar to that, like sensitivity to a cross. A cross is different, right? I get, I totally get that because the, the notion, the Western notion, particularly of what the cross has evolved into I get how that could be. Uh-huh. And I get how even like the end of Jesus life and his interaction with Jewish leaders. I mean, I understand how that, that all could be difficult to even process or go near. Yeah. What I'm talking about more is like just the overall history of you have this man who is a Jew. I'm just saying like right? Jesus gets just like kind of just thrown, silent. thrown into, it's just like, like pork cross, like these things that would make you just not Jewish. <laughs> right. 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 Can't go near a cross. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. That makes sense. But Jesus gets lumped in there. Lumped under, in there. Under, but, under but if, pork if, and crosses. Yeah. But if you, if you, you also understand like the lack of like, I've learned all these like wonderful old Testament stories through you. Yeah. And to me, I can't understand like now, as I learn them, that's like, those are stories I want to pass on to my kids. Right. That's but right. like, those aren't stories that Jews know really necessarily unless it's also kind of surprising yeah it's not it's like we we pass down traditions but not not these like old testament stories as much you know even even when you're like doing the passover seder you your your understanding of what you're doing is just like is really so limited as you're doing it what percentage of of your what percentage if you were just guessing because obviously you don't know but if you were guessing what percentage of jews have a similar experience to what I think had. more, more majority over 50% is my guess. And then do you think that's different? Like inside like an Orthodox? Yeah. Community? Uh, do you think there's more study of the old Testament and, um, and more study around like there is, the but, but, I, but, I, but I told you this, their study is more of the Talmud. The Talmud. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is just like a rules based. Yeah, that's right. You know, but you, yeah, you, cause you don't, you don't think that they're necessarily trying to find themselves inside of the, 
historical stories of Judaism. Yeah, no. And how that, how that translates through because, you you know, because my, again, like my notion of Christianity is just a Jewish sect where Jesus says, let's go back. We're trying to go back to, uh, Abraham. Yeah. We're trying to go back to Moses. We're trying to go back to David. We're trying to go back. I'm going to try to take you on a journey back to a world where you hear the voice of God. Yeah. Well, I, I, and I think like we, we, you and I talked about this like off mic, like uh, last night a little bit, but uh, to your point, like Judaism is a little bit more of a religion of submission in some ways too, of, of, of submitting to, to rules, submitting to some of the rules. Like how, how many of the rules are you willing to submit to? Right. So are you willing to be kosher? What's, what's your line? What's your, what's your line of what you're willing to, to, to give up for God? And that's what it, but that's what it feels like. It feels like the way that your submissions, the submissions inside of all these rules are somehow submissions to God. Yeah. And, and that, then that's what God cares about. But there's a distinction, obviously. So if, if you have the if you have a, 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 a religion of submission, Islam, and you have a religion of submission, Judaism, but they're submitting to different things. Right. Right. Then that also becomes a major culture class. Yeah. Not, not because they're against submission. They're just against submitting to the wrong things. Yeah. Right. Just like if they over here, they. I mean, there, there is some overlap, obviously, with like um, halal and kosher. Yeah. Right. Right. But, you know, if you come to the West and they're asking you to submit to bacon. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. <Yeah. you> know, <laughs> right. Well, you can't, that's not one of the things you're allowed to submit to. You know? uh, whereas, like, you know, I, I often submit to bacon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and Jews would and they'd still yeah. consider themselves Jewish. Correct. I, I, I think- some Jews. Right. But you're saying there's some Jews who like that would be a line. Be of yeah, serious, some like, Jew, yeah, some Jews. Would, yeah, right, 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 right. So they would put, have that on the line of well, they, absolutely. But they not would able. still never look at you and say you're not Jewish because you eat pork. They wouldn't. They wouldn't necessarily pass that judgment. They but, wouldn't. But but for themselves, they would feel like it would make themselves feel less Jewish. It's it's less. There's less. There's less judgment. I don't know. I don't know for like. Yeah, maybe maybe I actually don't know the answer to that because I've been I've been submitting less, so I don't necessarily know the judgment. Maybe 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 there is judgment. That'd be interesting. But they would It'd never say you're not out. a Jew. But they would never say you're not a Jew. They'd just be like, you can't lose your Judaism. You can't lose your Judaism. You could. It's just like they would just think you're you're doing it wrong. You're wasting it. <laughs> but do they think God's upset about it? Do you think they think? Well, I, I would guarantee there are some people who believe that God's upset when you eat pork. For sure. Yeah. Right. But, but is that Judaism? I mean, th- this is the big question, right? Is, and, and listen, Christianity, the sect of Judaism called Christianity <laughs> yeah. has all these same problems, which is like, well, what is the sect of Christianity? Right. What is the sect of Judaism? What do they, what do you actually have to believe or what do you actually have to do? Or what is Christianity? Yeah. That's a monumental question. Now the Christians have gotten caught up in trying to define that way more uh, deliberately than the Jews. The Jews seem to not want to define a lot of, particularly theology and philosophy. They just don't want to define, but then there's obviously debate going on every day inside of Judaism, not the sect of Judaism called Christianity, but inside of the rest of Judaism, there must be debates going on about what it means. What's a Jew? <laughs> Who's a Jew? Who's who, what, what do you actually have to do to be a religious Jew? 
yeah. versus a non-religious Jew. Because obviously, I guarantee there'd be uh, religious Jews who'd say, Avi's not a religious Jew. Right. Yeah, for sure. And they'd have some criteria that they would use to define that. I think it'd be interesting because I don't know the answer to it. I think it'd be interesting for you to try to find out. Yeah. No, actually, I, I, I'm working on it. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, no, I have because I have some cousins that are like Orthodox. And I'm actually... Uh, like one called me like after my wedding to like congratulate me. And then I ended up with in like a, when we were in Switzerland, actually hmm. called me when I was in the room and then uh, I ended up having like a 45 minute conversation with him, like on a call I wasn't expecting from someone that's never called me before. <laughs> but like, yeah, I'm going to get together with him because I, because I want to, I want to understand more of their ideas of like why, why they're believing they need to live life in this, in what I look at it as like limited Right. And so I, 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 they, I think they look at how I'm living life and they, they think that I'm not living within the fullness of God. And I actually look at them the same way. Right. Right. But at the end of the day, it's, it's with love. If like, it's not with, it's not with judge. I, at the end of the day, I think it's like, I think it's lovely how much he's willing to give up for God. You, know? you just think that it's actually, I just think you, it's, you, it's you actually un, think it might, it, might it's be unnecessary. Rules. Unnecessary. Yeah. Might be unnecessary. Right. That, that God's actually not happier or pleased yeah. necessarily by following all these rules, which would be something that the uh, cult leader, Jesus, who was the Jew would have said the same thing. Yeah. Said you're too concerned about. And then he, he brought up to me actually this, this specific, uh, is it a, is it a line in the old Testament you would know, but, but the, the, you need to love God with all your heart, with all your Soul, spirit, all yeah. your mind, all your strength. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, he brought that up as like, well, yeah, well, what do you think he means by that? If if it's not what I'm doing? (laughs) Well, sure. But I had, but, but to me, as when he said that on each of those things, I, I had my own idea of exactly what that would mean. And I'm living within that. But so we have like different ideas of what that means. I would, you know, I would just ask him to go back and analyze David and Solomon's lives and then, (laughs) and then, and help him, you know, ask him to identify what were the things that they were doing that were all like in line with God. What were all the things they were doing that were outside of the lines of God? And you believe God still loved them. Yeah. So, (laughs) so help me because I, you know, because, you know, I, I, you know, I married a shiksa. So, but I bet, but I, but I'm guessing that David had at least one shiksa wife and God seemed to really love him. You know, anyway, so, so these kind of questions I think are, are the kind of questions that lead to the paradoxes that then force us to give up beliefs and things that are, that, that can't live within the paradox. Yeah. Right. And, and that's why, well, and now, and now I get to now, now I start, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I understand why, the Jewish cult leader that is Jesus is so dangerous because he actually like wants to break down a lot of these things. Yeah. Right. Right. And so that is very dangerous to a Feels culture. Threatening. Yeah. It's very threatening to a cult. If a, if a culture is based on a set of rules, right. And somebody inside the culture says, I don't think he, all these rules are actually appropriate. Yeah. That's very, it's very scary. Yeah. For the leadership of a culture that's based on rules. Right. So, while I think that you're very Jewish, right? In the uh-huh. sense of, I think you're very aware of God. You're very sensitive to the voice of God. You mm-hmm. care about the voice of God. You care about trying to be in line with the voice of God. That uh, may be more a part of the cult that is Jesus. Yeah. 
Yeah, no. I, <laughs> that I, notion, I, yeah, that yeah, notion of Jewishness. I and we need be, to be careful here because yeah, people will think I'm not Jewish. No, no, no. But that's a shame. You, we want to be able to have these conversations. And like, I'm learning right now as we're talking, like I'm thinking it through. Go, okay, okay, okay. Now, you know, now I, I understand. Now I, now I understand why maybe inside of the Jewish culture, they tried to just ignore Jesus because he was a radical Jew. Yeah. Um, to, to bring it back to politics for a second, because yeah. Jesus made me think about like compassion. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like politically some, something I think about a lot is because I think I know myself to be a really compassionate, caring person. I don't yeah. want to see. And, um, and I feel like ma- mainstream societally, it feels like the left, uh, owns the idea of like compassion that they're, they're the ones that they care. think they're the compassionate ones. Yeah. Right. And like this idea that like conservative ideas are the ones that are like soul brute and soulless. And like, at the end of the day, I, any conservative belief I have, I actually think I arrived there from a, from a viewpoint of compassion. Okay. Explain, and, and, explain and I don't, that. and I don't, I mean, I mean, I don't know. We, we, we could think, I mean, what, it depends what issue would you want to talk about that, that where I might fall on the right. And, and I could tell you how I would get there in a compassionate way, but like abortion comes to mind Mm -hmm. and I, and, and like, so societally like, and this isn't to say that I think that like abortion, like, like whether or whether or not like abortion should be legal. Like, let's, let's take that. Like, I I think it should be legal. I think Americanness as a philosophy demands that it's legal. the freedom that we talked about. Mm-hmm. So if you, but who am I to judge if, if what, what that might mean for you, but well, you, but, you, but you're free to jo- judge, but if you're an American in philosophy, you'll still vote for the, for a legislation that will allow the freedom for people to do things that you don't even that think I might are moral. disagree with. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, but I, but to me, like, I, I think just, um, societally the way that, um, abortions, are talked about like, like, okay, we, we should, we could and should arrive that, that people should have access to the board. Okay. It should be legal, right? Mm -hmm. But the way you have that conversation to arrive there, I think to just like turn it into, uh, it's just, it's just the, uh, the, the, it's just about like control of a woman's body to like turn, to turn any of the issues that might arise from abortion to just strictly like, Oh, conservatives are trying to control a woman's body. I just think that societally, the way that we've made it, um, so, so not just accessible, but the way that to call it like a clump of cells or the way that we've turned it into an action. That's not a big, a big deal. I think is, is just a, a lie that actually ends up putting women in bad positions mm-hmm. because um, one it might be for, okay. One from the standpoint of like, they're the ones that have to live with that decision psychologically. More, more psychologically more than the man that's involved. Mm-hmm. What usually, usually they're the ones that have to care that carry the weight of it mm-hmm. right during and after. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, societally when you make it so okay like i experienced this in high school like a lot a lot of girls got abortions in high school and the way that the the framing was like such an anti-woman like if 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 the woman was to actually want to like consider keeping it we we the the view on it was 
oh, she's trying to take advantage of the guy or, or, or like fuck over the guy by keeping it. Right. And so it almost ends up like forcing, like we're, we're making it seem like it's a, like a, like a woman's choice thing. Mm -hmm. And sure it is their choice at the end of the day. But when societally, if, when you don't want to, when you don't want to like be honest about the weight of that decision, Mm -hmm. then you end up putting women in, in, in situations that could become really like socially difficult for them, or they might get viewed a certain way if they decide to keep a baby when, when, if, you know, if it was an accident or the guy didn't want it or the, Mm -hmm. or she's not with the guy. Right. And so it ends up creating all these like, um, other problems where it's like, so for me, when I, when I'm like, Hey, like, okay, you, people should have a right to it, but can we, can we be honest about the weight of the decision? Just, just because someone should have a right to do it. Does that mean that we need to now like demean that decision to like a meaningless thing? Like it's a clump of cells because what position does that put women in? Well, if it's not just a clump of cells in a very uninformed position, right? If, if there is like psychological stuff to work through, then we're not being fair about um, the the choices we're actually asking them to make. Yeah. No different than when we uh, send men to war and bring these boys back in their 20, but we don't give them any psychological um, exit. Yeah. Right. From what they've just experienced. We're being unrealistic and unfair about uh, the weight that they have carried. Yeah. Right. And the same is true happening for sure on the, on the side of women, particularly young women who are making decisions about things that they actually don't really understand all of the, and they might later. Oh, they, 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 they absolutely. I, I know, I know situations. Oh, yes. I know situations where some, someone is still hurting or regretting a decision from 10 years ago. hundred percent. And they feel the weight now, maybe in a way that they didn't when they did it. it and, 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 and like, and, and, and then, uh, you know, and whatever I just, well, so, I've, I've always thought politically that what we should live under is this notion of we uh, legislate freedom, but educate choice. Yeah. Right. So that we're um, doing each other the service of being really honest. Yeah. But they, but they, they kind of, they turned the the debate into like a caricature Mm -hmm. and they've turned it into, Oh, the, the right is just trying to control your body. Yeah. But I mean, that's all politics. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, 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 the compassion side, right. Being compassionate towards, um, a woman who is pregnant, that the, the pregnancy might be very, uh, socially complicated. Yeah. Um, it's hard to be compassionate with that woman and not feel like she should have a choice yeah. about how complicated she's willing to make her life. Yeah. Now on the other side, when you, um, really reflect with compassion, which a lot of conservatives do reflect with compassion on the notion of a, uh, embryo and the notion of a, a, a burgeoning life. Yeah. Well, there's that too. Right. I mean, that's before you even get to the, the potential human life. Right. But I'm just saying even, even for women, uh, I'm just making the case that for women out of compassion, societally, we need to be more honest about the conversation around, abortion agreed and and that and that conversation around abortion is such a good one to do all the thought experiments and the emotional thought experiments of compassion for all involved and what that looks like because when you do all of that 
uh, emotional thought experiment, what you find out is that this is very emotionally complicated. Yeah. It's very spiritually complicated. It's very sociologically complicated. Yeah. Right. And at least in that position of feeling and experiencing and thinking through all the compli- com- the, the complicatedness. Yeah. Um, then you can uh, have humility. And that's oftentimes what's lacking from the conversations. Yeah. Is the humility. Yeah. To come alongside and not disparage. Yeah. And, and be willing to live with. No different than we do with those we love where we watch them make decisions that we might disagree with. Mm-hmm. Or we know this, they're, they're going to regret or, but then we just try to love them through it. Yeah. Right. right. It's like, that's like being a parent. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're, we, yeah. we're way out of time, but, um, you know, we could keep talking for a long time yeah. and, and, and we will. I'm sure we will. Uh, yeah. So thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, thanks it's for been amazing. Me. And, uh, more to come. Yeah, for sure. This has been the black hole podcast. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Thanks for listening. <laughs>